Hi, this is Bob Wells here, and welcome to Undercurrent Stories. This is the show where we hear about people's interests and uncover some fascinating stories at the same time. I hope you enjoy today's show. Hello and welcome to Undercurrent Stories. In today's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Deborah Fine. Deborah is a highly acclaimed and recognised expert on communication skills. She is a keynote speaker, trainer and author of best-selling books which include The Fine Art of Small Talk and The Fine Art of Confident Conversation. She is a member of the National Speakers Association and presents workshops and keynote speeches on small talk and networking skills to hundreds of audiences around the world, working with clients such as Hyatt, the International Fire Chiefs Association, Google and many, many more. And today we're going to talk about small talk. Hello and welcome to the show, Deborah. Thanks so much, Bob. It's great to be on your program. I love that this is a global interview for me. Well, that's that's brilliant. And and I guess in spirit of the theme of the interview, we should perhaps do a bit of small talk to start off with. That would be uh, awesome. So whereabouts are you based then? Um, I'm in uh, the United States. I'm in Colorado. Um, those of you familiar with the sights of mountains filled with snow, that's where I live. Today is a very sunny, beautiful day, similar to uh, Switzerland. So it's close to the middle of the country. So lots of uh, mountains and snow. Lots of mountains, very little water. It's a, our big problem, actually. But And I know, you know, the UK to a degree, I, I spent um, um, many times visiting everything from London to Liverpool. Yeah. I've been to, um, you know, to um, <clears throat> Scotland and uh, Ireland this past summer, although um, that's different. And um, we need to get to Wales. Um, so I just love your people and your country, and of course, your language. It suits me just fine, eh? That's great. So thank you for, ever so much for coming on. Um, and before we talk about small talk, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself to start off with and put, put, put it in context, in terms, you know, your life's journey and how you decided to become involved in what you do, please? Th- thanks for asking. I, I used to be an engineer. Uh, that That is what my degrees are in. And um, this was a long time ago. I'm, I'm a little on the season side. And I was, I chose engineering, Bob, for um, a, a, a brilliant reason in that I was great at math and they put, they tried to put me on the path to teaching, which was a typical career for a woman in those days. And certainly, but certainly engineering was not a typical path in those days and still is not, unfortunately. But um, they did offer that as an uh, opportunity that I might pursue. And I chose engineering literally because I did not like to chat with people. The idea of being a teacher, interacting with other teachers, parents, even children, um, just did not appeal to me. I was the person in the back of the room at a party standing by myself. I was definitely a wallflower. I happened to be extremely overweight at that time. So I was really an outsider. And um, engineering just seemed the right direction. And I was often faced with challenges from leadership that said things like, okay, you're going to go to this conference and you're going to stand behind this eight foot table in this exhibit hall and you're going to represent the project we're working yeah. on. And yeah. I had no struggle with that. I was uh, well-trained. I, I was a good student. Um, if you came up to the table, Bob, and asked me a question, I, I had the answer. Typically, I had the answer. On the other hand, then they'd ask me to go into the hospitality suite at the end of that day, and they expected me to mingle. Can you imagine? Mingle? What <laughs> you I mean, and, you know, I was such a good girl back then that I really wanted to do what I was asked to do, but how yeah. do you do that? 
you know, and they just go do it as if that was the most natural thing in the world. It's organic. Just go walk around a room full of people you don't know with possibly a cocktail in your hand and visit. Well, um, it took me years and some epiphanies in my life that I won't bore your audience with, except to say that I ultimately decided for myself that I wanted to be different. I wanted to connect and, uh, I wanted to connect with friendship, with the community, with um, other parents when I ultimately became a parent. I just wanted to cultivate connections in my life. And so I did observe people like yourself who seem very fun and lighthearted and witty and good conversationalists. And I would watch them and I ultimately modeled them and I had success. And then I had the biggest epiphany and that was maybe other people besides dorks like me, because I just assumed it was dorks like me who struggled, <laughs> maybe other folks needed to learn these skills as well. And that that's when it came to me that maybe I should really study this. And I did. I spent a year's worth of time on research, everything from icebreakers to exit lines. And I ultimately created a program and wrote the books and et cetera. The study that you did of this particular subject was was all self-study. You, you didn't sort of, it wasn't somewhere to go to like a, a college course or something like that. It was something you did yourself. That's, it was self-study, although I did, there were, there were many books out there, everything from Dale Carnegie, who's an evergreen book um, yeah. um, to this day, although a bit on the old fashioned side, uh, to, there, there were other books. But um, they, they didn't, in my opinion, they didn't delve into, tell me what to say. Give yeah. me icebreakers. Tell me how to keep a conversation going when it's sort of whittled out. They would tell you to do it, just like those, the leadership did when I was an engineer. They tell you to network. They tell you to make friends. They tell you, oh, you'll meet your romantic partner. Just get out there. Get out there. Well, okay, now what do I say? And so that became my focus is an engineering type of focus. I started labeling conversation based on the research that I did. And it wasn't scientific, Bob. It was just, as you just described, relatively just whatever I could get my hands on, as yeah. well as, as observations of people who were successful at it and came up with a program that continues to evolve. You know, you learn something new every yeah. day, right? So just, just going to specifics, I think you said Carnegie, is, is that the um, how to win friends and influence people? Exactly. And um, then when when you sort of observe people, you then sort of take notes, would you? Uh, well, would I, you wasn't, I wasn't quite, I like I couldn't be in a pub, as you would say, and no. just pull my <laughs> notebook out in those days. But no. um, I, I'm, I have a good, you know, I have good retention, let's put it that yeah. way. So. Yeah. Uh, although on some occasions I would sit in quiet places like hotel lobbies. I watched, I observed body language in hotel lobbies. I did a lot of that and would take notes because when you're in a, in that kind of environment, you're not at someone's party. No one is notices me. They just, they're into their own, you know, interaction with whomever they're with. So I did that. I did libraries, you know, situations where I would not feel that there was a spotlight on me and everybody knew I was taking notes, but I did take notes in those circumstances. And and when you go back um, to the the years when you, when you did all this observation and study and and you look at yourself now as, as a sort of internationally recognized expert on small talk, how do you feel? Well, I feel useful. I mean, I think that's the best word. I feel I feel useful. I mean, I, when you're, I've been at this almost 30 years, the book, the first book came out in 2002. 
so I, you know, it reminds me sort of my dad was a pediatrician, a children's doctor, and we would go out and about and people would say, oh, you know, I'm a grandmother now and you took care of me when I was a baby. You know? So <laughs> he had he had generations of patients, parents, kids that, that would go on and on. And I feel like I'm almost there myself where people will come up to me and say, I took your class 25 years ago. I heard you at this event in Singapore and you changed my life. And, and it, and I know what they're saying. They're not saying you changed my life and that I found magic. What they, what they're saying is I acquired skills that have helped me throughout my life, whether it be business or social. And I think, I think that's, that gives me, I give myself a pat on the back. I was useful. And now oftentimes people, you know, with children um, that are about to attend university and or launching their careers, I feel so much confidence knowing that, wow, you're going to get this information when you're 22 instead of 52. That's handy, right? Isn't that handy? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's the biggest, biggest sort of. um, Yes. Satisfaction for me. So talking about small talk, um, how do you define small talk? I define small talk as the appetizer for any relationship. And so what I mean by that is, um, so you and I had a chance to chit chat before we, we dived into this, what I consider a business conversation yes. uh, <clears throat> that is certainly controlled by you. You decide when it starts, you decide when it ends, but we had some time for chit chat and I learned a bit about you. So it's possible that the next time I visit the UK, there is a drop of potential friendship there if either one of us wants it or both of us wants it. Yes. That, so oftentimes we start conversations, let's say in business, and we go right into the negotiation or the selling of the widget or whatever it may be. But if we don't go back to small talk, that appetizer, we don't develop a relationship. You know, then the relationship, it's not that it's false. It's real. Business yeah. conversations are real. But but appetizer, it's like those of you who have met your mate, met your partner, uh, currently live with a spouse who, um, and you're thriving. It, it may have started um, even on an app, right? On, a, on an app where you talk to each other, but the relationship developed with small talk. And then it became something concrete. And where you had to learn each other's values and desires and all that other great stuff. But it does, if the small talk isn't good on that first date, the app may go great. You may be able to text like a whiz and he or she or they may be able to text like a whiz. But you go for that first cup of coffee or that first meeting in the pub. And if you don't, the small talk doesn't work, Bob, you don't develop a relationship. And guess what? You move on to the next person, right? It is the appetizer. Absolutely, and and I think um, certainly from an English point of view, we we, uh, we talk about the weather an awful lot. I don't know whether it's the same in the states, but we, there's always something to talk, talk about in England with the weather. Uh, well, I I think yes, you do have interesting weather there. <laughs> but I happen to see this is my belief. People, there's many books written on this topic that say don't ask close-ended questions. A close-ended question is, what do you think of the weather, or how's the weather, or it's cold out, isn't it? Or it's cold out, or it's so miserable today. Gosh, there's so much, this rain's been going on for five days. So it can start with a question or a statement. Gosh, I hate this mugginess. Here's the key. If you have the time and the interest in chatting with me, that will work. You don't have to be a genius to start a conversation with someone. You just have to be willing to be the first person to start it. Now, if I'm busy and you say, let's say we're walking out the, the door together from a meeting and you say, oh, can you believe this rain now? What, it's been five days? If I'm in a hurry, I'll say, 
Yeah, it's been awful. And I'll keep on my way, Bob. I mean, you're not going to hold me hostage. I'm not going to allow that. I need to go. But if I have a few minutes, and since every conversation is an opportunity, I might say, yes, this is lousy. So what's your favorite kind of weather? What season are you looking forward to the most? And then we've started a connection with one another. What's the point in small talk? I, I guess you've answered that to, to a certain point. but Well, the point is to develop relationships, but even relationships we already have. So I happen to be married. Um, <clears throat> so I have an option, don't I, Bob? So when my husband asked me at the end of my day today, uh, let's say he has an option. This is a better way to, to frame yeah. it for the audience. My Steve has an option. We have a loving, great marriage, long time. And he'll say to me, how was your day? And I'll probably say good. Well, everybody listening who has a spouse or partner isn't, how was your day? Okay. Well, most of the time they don't even mean it. Right. But I mean, it's not that they don't, he doesn't love me. It's just that, you know, that's a rhetorical question. How was your day? How was your weekend? How's, how was work? How's the project? How's, you know, whatever, how's the family. So if Steve would like to indicate to me that he'd like to have a conversation with me and he has the time and the interest. And after he says, how was your day? And I say, great or good. If he then says to me, well, what do you have on your plate today? Or tell me about that podcast this morning with the UK. It's my morning here, by the way. Um, then I know my husband wants to chat or has the time to chat. So it's, it continues relationship. It cultivates relationships. It's not just for beginning relationships. It's to stay connected to one another. And it can be an intimate conversation, but what I just described is a typical everyday conversation. You know, my husband loves sports, and so he follows whatever. And when I say football, I mean American football. Yeah. And, and he, if I say to him, so, you know, what did you think of that trade? I'm, I'm not necessarily that interested. But if I have a couple minutes, that's what he loves to talk about is professional sports. I will delve into that. That's small talk, and that's to keep my relationship lively, connected, interested, etc. The same goes with my girlfriends. I have grown children. You mentioned you have children as well. I think they're grown. I'm guessing they're grown. Yes, they are. They live on their own, right? They're self-supporting adults. And, um, you know, my goal is I have a son that lives far away in New York City. And when I get on the phone with him, I want to connect with him. I don't want to just say, Jared, how's work? Good. And so how's your girlfriend? Oh, she's great. And what's new? Nothing. I want to have small talk with my grown son so that we are connected. I understand what you're saying. I, I guess the small talk that you use, and, and you, you used it very well when we first spoke before we went on air, um, you, you ask, I would suggest, probably more creative questions than I would automatically think for myself. So I might say, how are you? Right. You, you were asking, you were going to a different level, which I found quite interesting. How can people, um, how can people develop that type of small talk? Okay, let's, let me give you some examples. And before I do, it's just to say to everyone listening, be prepared. I would never walk into, if you invited me to your home for a, a get together, a party to honor, let's say a daughter that's celebrating something, I I don't know your friends and family. And even if I knew some of them, I would still walk in prepared two to three things to talk about before I enter. It could be the weather. It could be sports. It could be something I know about you already. Always be prepared with two to three things to talk about. So here are the best ways to launch conversations. If you are with people you already know. So I already sort of know you, Bob. I, I know you're married and I know you have daughters. That much yeah. you disclose during our chit chat. So yeah. 
be careful audience. So that, that's what I know about Bob. I hope I haven't revealed too much. <laughs> if I'm lucky enough to, to be invited back on Bob's podcast, okay, let's say it's a year from now or six months from now, you will never hear me say, hey, Bob, how's your wife? How's she doing? You know, tell, you know, I never found out about her. What, you know, what keeps her busy? No, I won't say that because you see, he is an acquaintance of mine. We do not talk every day. He's not in my family. He's not in my circle of friends. So when you're interacting with acquaintances, be very careful. Don't ask questions that might put you or put them in a bad spot. So I'm not going to say, how's your wife? And find out that she finally left you after all these years, took all the money, took the house, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Instead, I'm going to say to you, Bob, bring me up to date on the family. What's yeah. new? Yeah. Catch me up on the family. Now, here's another thing. People, we run into people that we know or we believe we know they work for a bank, let's say. How's it going at fill in the blank bank? Or how's it going at um, with your business? The problem with that is if you don't know the answer to the question, if you're not certain they're still uh, secure in employment with that organization and or secure in still owning their business, be careful. Instead, ask this. What's new with work since the last time I saw you? Catch me up on work since I last yeah. saw you. And then you can tell me what you want me to know. Yeah. yeah. Let's say you're out of work or let's say, you know, I, I, you don't say to somebody, uh, you know, because let's say I, your daughter was engaged the last time I talked to you. I'm not going to say, how was the wedding? I don't know you well enough to do that. So catch no. me up on your, on your kids. What's new? And you'll tell me what you want me to know. So that's one thing. Okay. The other thing is, is launching conversations. The best foundation for launching conversations is to use free information. Free information is what we have about the occasion or location. So if I, if we're at a party, how do you know the host or hostess? That's the free information I have is unless you crash this party, we are both connected to the host or hostess. How did you first meet? How do you two know each other? The free information I have, if you introduce me to your wife or partner or spouse, Bob, is how did you two meet? Everybody has a story. Some are boring, some are not, but everybody has a story. If I'm at a fundraiser, what got you involved in this fundraiser? You, you mentioned to me, um, and it such, makes you such an interesting sort of renaissance man to me, is that one of the things that you favor in your life is to dedicate time each week to uh, preserving the outdoors in, in a charitable way. So if I were lucky enough to work side by side with you doing this or we're walking down to a project and I don't know you or I sort of know you, what got you involved in this? What's your background? That's free yeah. information about the occasion, location. Same with the weather. What do you think of this weather? What's the worst weather you've ever encountered? Um, how is the weather, you know, what, what, what's your favorite season of the year? Oh, summer? Oh, what, what, what kind of plans do you have this summer that you're looking forward to the most? So free information is the best way to start a conversation. What brings you to this conference? You know, what, what do you, what do you know about the speaker? What was your number one takeaway from this meeting? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all, um, I wouldn't say obvious stuff, but it's, it all makes sense. And, and they're the sort of questions that, um, you on the, you, I, I as a recipient, recipient actually really, really like and really enjoy, and you know, I'm pleased to answer as opposed to just sort of coming back. Yeah, I'm okay. Thank you. Right. Because you're not, and that's, that's a really good point because you're an enthusiastic conversationalist, but not everybody is. And I'm, and what I mean by that is they're not certain we're genuine. And that's why that technique I offered earlier, I call it digging in deeper where my husband says to me, how was your day? And I say, good. And then he does one more question. So what would you have going on today? Now my husband has indicated that he means it. And yeah. I, I'd say to everybody listening, please remember that most of us don't really think you mean, how are you? 
How's your day? How's no, work? No, We're not no. certain of that. That's interesting. What about people who are, in quotes, considered to be shy and they, they you know, shrinking violets, they don't particularly like to initiate small talk. Would you suggest that they, it's something they could benefit from um, for in, improving the quality of their life? Oh, absolutely. And this is what I, I, I used to be shy. I'm not, I'm not shy any longer. I will talk to the introverts in the audience. That's a different thing. Introverts get their energy from being alone and extroverts get their energy from people. I am an introvert. I, I am behaving like an extrovert. I certainly hope I am. You can confirm that later. <laughs> but um, Well, so I'll, conf- I'll confirm it now. Yes, definitely. Oh, thank you. So, <laughs> so when we're in certain situations where it would benefit us, whether it be networking or other, it's not that I'm acting like I'm not changing my personality. No. I just have, I feel confidence in conversation. And the best way to gain that if you're shy and or introverted for the occasions that you want to be interacting with people, especially new people. And I only, I say this as somebody who understands, I I would much rather stay at home and read a book than go to your house, Bob, with your wife and your daughters, who I don't know, and I don't know anybody. It's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. Nonetheless, if you invited me, I would go and I would make the most of it and not stand in the corner. So I say to people, try this. I've given some examples during the podcast today, happy to give more, but it is like learning how to jog or any kind of exercise. And what I mean by that is this. When I took up running, I was extremely, extremely overweight. So I could, I tried to run, some, you know, run. And my mistake yeah. was I, I ran. I didn't jog. Nobody taught me that. And so I made it less than a block. The end of the story is that every day I would run or jog a little more. And ultimately I could run a 5K and ultimately I could run a 10K. And now, you know, in at this seasoned time in my life, I exercise, put it out there at least five times a week, and I remain trim. Ask me if I love running. No, I don't, Bob. I don't love running. I don't get high like all these people. Oh, I get a high. No, I don't get high. This is what I do. I make myself do it every day, I mean, well, five days a week, and I dedicate an hour to it every day. I did it before our talk today, Bob. And my suggestion to everyone out there is if you want to change your life by building friendships, attracting volunteers, building networking skills, gaining rapport with people that matter to you, whether it be your kids, family members, et cetera, then you have to put in the time. And this is what I mean by the time. Turn it into a task. Task, where most of us are so good at tasks. I'm even wearing clean clothes now and you can't even see me. But I, I, and I don't love to iron, but I do like to look fresh and neat and clean. Most everyone listening feels the same way. We, all, we Some of us went to school. Some of us learned auto mechanics. That's a task. Now, turn this into a task. Tell yourself, you'll meet three new people this week, maybe at a book event, maybe at your um, um, a, an event with your child's playing uh, football. And now I'm talking about UK football, not American football. You start up a conversation with another parent. You say hello first. I know you're shy and I know what you're afraid of. You're afraid of the same thing I was most of my life. And that is, you might reject me. Okay, so let's examine that. Let's say you are a parent and you want to cultivate connections with other parents of your child's um, friends or you're new to the neighborhood. Wouldn't it benefit you to make those kinds of connections? And what risk is really involved? You're a parent. Here's the worst risk for a parent. That something happens to your child. That's risk. Risk is not starting a conversation with a stranger at a ball field or at a party. 
you know, risk is getting into a car and driving on a highway. That's real risk or getting in a plane. So, you know, if you want this in your life, just like exercise, then you have to make time for it and not, you don't have to spend hours of cardio. I'm just saying for, for once or twice a week, uh, you go, when I go to a party with my husband, if I get dragged to one of his events, I tell myself, you'll meet two new people. You'll meet two new people. And then you get to go hide in the reception area or you can go drink, you know, so I turn it into a task and it makes it so not overwhelming any longer. We, we live in a, in a world now where it's very much um, people on their phones texting. Yeah. Uh, we've had the pandemic where it totally it certainly changed my life, um, a work life where many people still work at home. Um, they're on Zoom calls or Teams calls, et cetera, et cetera. Right. How, how has that affected people with small talk well so I'm, I'm sorry I'm, I'm, sorry. I, what I meant to say was for those that, that are working um, in corporate environments where they have meetings and things and they're working from home um, how, how has that affected small talk well I think we're rusty I mean partly from the pandemic but partly when you work remotely you're yeah. relatively isolated and we're, we're rusty even people that were great at it right tend to be, where are they going to be with groups of people? And so when they are, they're just not as skilled at it as they used to be. But I think the other thing is, is, you know, I I have a slogan, Bob. I don't know if everyone will take to it, but this is what I do in my business. If I get an email inquiry into into doing a, a keynote program or a training program, unless there's no phone number, and that's possible sometimes, underneath the signature, I... I use the phone feature on my phone. Isn't that innovative? The Isn't that phone a novelty? Absolutely. I, you know why? Yeah. So I hear their voice, so they hear mine. So when they say uh, to me, how much do you cost? Instead of me telling them, I say, well, tell me about your budget. You can't do that on email. No. No. You can't get away with that. No, but you no. can in a voice, you know, tell yeah. me more about the program before I give you that number. The other thing is, is, you know, you hear their tone. You, It's, it's just so wonderful to have a personal interaction with someone. Um, you know, I, you know, I referred a moment ago to parents going to, to their children's games. And now, Bob, I'm sorry to say it. I, I guess I'm glad I didn't have a cell phone back then. I, and if I did, I think I got charged so much money, I just didn't use it. And what I mean by that is my eyes were on the field instead of on my phone while my child was out there kicking a ball. Because you go to these um, events now or just games and you'll see parents on their phones instead of looking at their child. And children know that. There's no no surprises there. So um, I almost forgot your question, Bob. I'm sorry. Well, I was talking about how it's affected things, but I I totally get the the corporate environment thing and the phone call because um, I know that myself and my colleagues we used to exchange emails and sometimes you'd get an email and you think what what do they actually mean there and you'd send right. one back and and actually i always found the best thing to do like you said earlier pick the phone up and have a conversation start off with a small talk how are you doing and you could very often take the heat uh, out of what could potentially be quite a nasty situation right. but also i would it. say you know, I like texting a lot and I like email a lot. Texting is so handy to set up a time to get together, to say I'm running late, yeah. to, to ask my one of my children, 
is this a good time to talk? Because there's no point. They're not going to listen to my voicemail. We all know that. My children are in their 30s. There's not even a chance. So is this a good time to talk? No? Okay, well, then I won't waste my saliva on calling you and leaving <laughs> a, mess- a message that you won't listen to. And email is so handy first. I don't need to go on and, and save that. But I, I, am, I would suggest people who work virtually to do a couple of different things. If there's a new member of your team, it's, it's not their responsibility to reach out to you. It's I call it assuming the burden. I assume the burden of making people feel comfortable with me. My goal is to make you feel comfortable when you're with me. If you do feel comfortable, you'll feel good about me. So it's my goal to reach out to you and say, can we have a 10 minute just coffee chat on the, you know, on, on teams. And I just like to get to tell me more, learn more about you. Yeah. Right. But I can't wait for them to do it with me. And um, so that's number one. Number two, I get on the, it happened today. I, I do this on purpose. I get on early just in case, just in case in your case, the interviewer, the, the host, it has a few minutes to chat because I want yes. you to feel comfortable with me. And I certainly want to feel comfortable with you. Well, you, you were on uh, probably about the same time as me, four or five minutes early before the interview yeah. was due to start. But that's which, on which purpose. Nice. Yeah. And I say to people, do that with um, virtual meetings, but do it in real life too. I, you know, most people, we go late because we're waiting for everybody else to get there or we just, we drag ourselves in. But you know, by the, if we go to a party 20 minutes late or 15 minutes late or a networking event, the clicks have already started to form. <sighs> How yes, about get there on time and yeah. you approach somebody standing by themselves. That's the much better person to approach than somebody yeah. in a group setting. Well, this is a really good segue to what was going to be my next question that I was thinking about when you were talking about that, which was basically, if we've got any listeners out there who perhaps are a little bit shy and they'd like to improve the way that they do their small talk and they go into a room and they start some small talk with somebody and the person, say, that they're talking to is looking you know, over, over their shoulder. So, so they right. themselves feel, well, hang on a minute, I'm trying, but they're not, I'm not really getting feedback. What right. advice would you give that, that person? I would say... Exit them. (laughs) You know, we can't make people talk to us. It's as simple as that. You know, I always, I use my, I I had a first husband, Bob. So um, I always say, you know, I tried to change him. And I did, Bob. I tried to change him a lot. And um, it didn't work. So then it was over. You can't change other people. It's just impossible. So that's always going to happen. Yeah. Well, you know, if somebody's going to be that rude and or not interested in me or not, yeah. maybe they saw my name tag and saw that I'm a, a an author and a keynote speaker, but they want to talk to attorneys or they want to yeah, talk to bankers. Yeah. There's nothing I can do about it. My name okay. tag says what I do. So move on. Working, yeah, just move on. Move now, on. if it's your mother-in-law, you know, that might be a little different, but you have to use your, you know, she might be worried about somebody else walking in the room. But I, I try not to waste, you know, life is short. I, I want to get to know someone like yourself, Bob that's willing to, you know, interact. And by the way, just because somebody rejects you because they're looking around the room, it doesn't mean they're rejecting you. It means they are transactional. Okay. That's possible. It could mean they're waiting for a client to enter or their girlfriend to enter. It could mean a number of things and it has nothing to do with your icebreaker or how you launch this conversation. Most people decide before someone opens their mouth, whether they're willing to talk to them or not. Now, simple as that. Sorry to interrupt. Um, one, of my, one of my friends, I, I spoke, I think I mentioned to you earlier on the interview that I was talking, I was going to went out with a group of friends um, at the weekend. And one of them actually said to me, here's a question. So they're with a group of people that they're, they're making small talk. And there's one particular person who is quite dominant in conversation. Right. Um, and every time that person attempts to say something, this person just carries on. Um, so they feel quite 
you know, they don't feel particularly good about that. What, what advice would you give that person? Well, again, we can't change them, but we can try a couple of things. So that that's what I call in my book, a monopolizer. It's a conversation yeah. killer. Yeah. And just for all your listeners, because everyone here that's listening is thinking, well, I'm not a monopolizer. That's my boss. Or that's that woman friend of mine. Or Well, guess what, folks? Most people I've ever encountered become monopolizers when someone is showing an interest in a topic they love talking about. You become a monopolizer when you've talked about yourself, your holiday, your work, what your children more than five minutes. So cut it there, no more than five minutes. And then you have to throw the conversation ball back and say, tell me about your family. Um, how did you get involved in your work? Something along those lines. So um, when you are interacting with a monopolizer, use what I call host behavior. This is where I'm assuming the burden of everyone's comfort, either if I'm in a group or just my own comfort, if I'm one-on-one and I'm going to behave like a host, I'm going to take over if I can. And I'm going to yeah. say to this person who will not stop about his, her, or their kids say, wow, it sounds like your kids are just outstanding, you know, students, athletes, everything. You know, I have kids too. Um, they, they, they're not quite as stellar, but I have to say, you know, I'm missing my son. He lives across the country. Okay, so I can try that. I've introduced yes. the fact that I have kids also. Yeah. Well, if, if this is a true monopolizer, they'll say, oh, you have a child that lives across the country? So do I. She li And they'll just start, they won't shut up. And I just, you can't change those people. Now, if I'm with a group of people, it's much easier. I'll say to somebody, gosh, it sounds like your kids are outstanding. And then I'll look at someone else at the table of four and I'll say, hey, Mary, Tell, tell me about your family. You know, I don't know anything about your family. By the way, did you notice, Bob, I didn't say, do you have any kids? That's a real conversation killer. What if yeah. she doesn't have any kids? If yeah. I don't know, I'm not going to ask somebody, do you have any kids? I'm going to say, tell me about your family. I've yeah. taken us away from the, the monopolizer. Now, she might tell me about her family. And let's say she's on the more cautious side, shyer side. She's not as ebullient as this other fella. So she says, well, you know, I have a sister. She lives in Kensington and my parents, you know, I, I visit them in, in London. And, and then this fellow says, London, you know, I'm from London because he won't shut up. There's nothing you can do about that fella, but yeah. you can try and go around the table and ask people, you know, tell me about your holiday or tell me about your um, work. So but maybe if you, if, if that person keeps sort of butting in again, you can use the same sort of method to divert it to somebody else and maybe they'll get that message in the end and include someone else see that's another yeah. key like sometimes there's yeah. quiet people at the table and yeah. we'd never seem to notice them because these extroverts seem to eat up all the energy in the room and i'm not saying every extrovert is a monopolizer but i am saying monopolizers just love to hear themselves talk and it's up to us to assume the burden of moving around the table i know exactly yeah. what you are. when 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 i had meetings at work uh, before i retired I, if i was chairing the meeting it'd be very often I'd, if somebody did that i would say oh well, that's a really interesting point um fred what what, what do you think oh just move, move it around move it around see that is that is exactly what a good leader does because often he didn't, you needed to issue that invitation to include him because maybe he just felt like I'll just sit here and listen, which is, there's nothing wrong with that, but right. you were brilliant. And that should be done in virtual meetings as well. That's what a good leader does is goes around the table, includes other people, whether they're talking small talk about vacations. So, you know, Mary, tell us about anything you're looking forward to with regard to vacation or whether it be about a project. Yeah. 
What about um, how important is remembering people's names on initial meetings? Well, when you, I mean, you know, Dale Carnegie says, you know, using someone's name is the, I'm now I'm paraphrasing is the most magical thing in the world. And, and that is true. Um, it sounds a little schmoozy right now. And we're lucky on virtual events now. We don't have to be reminded of anyone's name because it's right up there in the square. Isn't that handy? But um, I I do think it's really important to use people's names and use them correctly. I was a little, actually, with you, some things, um, my, the invitation for today's program said Robert Wells rather than Bob. But then, you know, I looked at, I went through the correspondence to make sure that you signed off with Bob. Otherwise, I was about to ask you, you know, do you prefer to go by Bob or Robert? But yeah. I hope I'm right. And now even- yeah, you are, yeah. Yeah, yeah Okay. It's, you know, we give people nicknames too. Like your, your name is Robert, but you go by Bob. My name is yeah. Deborah and people call me Debbie. It just, I just hate yeah. them. It's automatic, yeah. Bob. I just, well, if, if I'd done something naughty or wrong as a child, I would have been wrong. Yes, exactly. But, uh, yeah, yeah. but I, I think it's really important to learn people's names and to use them. Um, uh, but I also think it's important when you've forgotten someone's name, if I'm lucky enough to run into somebody at the theater and I've forgotten their name, I don't play that game where we stand there and talk for a couple of minutes and we're uh, both hoping for a religious experience to take place where the name comes to us from above. I don't do that. I assume the burden of saying, I'm so sorry, I forgot your name. Could you please remind me? Or I know I've had to be prompted in the past. Would you yeah. please remind I'm Because if I don't know your name, my husband's going to walk up or, or my girlfriend or my boss. And how am I going to introduce you to them if I don't know your name? Yeah. That's why names are so important as yeah. well. There was a, a trick I was told some time ago back in yeah. the early part of my corporate life where if, if you'd forgotten somebody's name, you'd say to them, what was your, what's your name? And they'd say, well, my, my name so-and-so. And you say, no, sorry, your surname. So you really? get yeah, you get the Christian name up front without feeling as though you were forgetful. Yeah, and then but then you have to remember that too. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's not a bad idea. Here's the real key to remembering people's names, and 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 whatever works. So I'm sorry, I sounded critical. Whatever works, but um, I say to people, do what I make myself do, and it works about eighty percent of the time. I I repeat your name, but everybody in your listening audience repeats the person's name. I'm bet you know, Bob. It's good to meet you. But then I'm not allowed to think about what I'm going to say next. And or I'm not allowed to think about the business at hand. So if I'm at um, an event, oh, a meeting, I walk into a meeting and there's six other people there. Uh, I go around the table before I sit down and I say, hi, I'm Deborah Fine or Deborah or whatever is appropriate. They say their name. I shake their hand and I pause in my brain. I say, his name is Joe. Her name is Joanne. You know, her name is Kimberly. And I will get most of those names. And if I... By the way, when I sit down, I'll write a little sketch for myself of their names. Now, that's only six to eight people at a table of eight or a meeting. If I'm, if I'm in a party setting, I'll do the same. If you can touch somebody, if you can shake their hand and slow things down that, and really try to remember their names. Like my husband does not remember people's names, Bob. It's fascinating because yeah. he's, he's, he he's happens to be extremely far better educated than I am. And... If you ask my husband anything about American professional sports of any kind, he can recite the player's name and what they do <laughs> and how long. And yet he can't remember people's names and he has no disabilities at all. Yeah. The reason my husband cannot remember people's names, Bob, this is a fact, is he doesn't try. Oh, my God. Isn't do you know, that amazing? Yeah. I won't say who it is, but I know somebody else like that. 
<laughs> Try really hard, and guess what? You'll be successful. Yeah. No, that's that's fantastic. Um, so, just sort of round, rounding up on this, where can people? I mean, you've got got the book, um, yeah, which I I think had a, a re. It's just been republished. Is that right? Yes, um, in the UK as well. In the United Kingdom, Piatkins yeah. is my publisher. And they're actually putting out an audio version for the first time, but that won't be out for a, a couple months. But um, yes, the fine art of small talk has been newly revised and updated because Bob, there were, and I wrote this book, so I take full responsibility, but I wrote it long enough ago that I had references to video stores where you can rent a video. So as you can only imagine, I took those out. But in addition yeah. to that, I added on chapters on interacting with people who are you know, what do you say when someone has suffered loss or is enduring yeah. um, some kind of transition that is uncomfortable for them or uncomfortable for you to talk about? What do you say? I had a whole, oh, I have a whole chapter on political conversation, which is everywhere, um, as you can imagine, uh, pretty touchy. Yeah. So, um, so I've added, I've added a lot. And small talk is those interactions with people on all levels. So. That's that's and of course virtual meetings. I've talked about that in the book as well. I think the book is a fantastic piece of um, work for anybody's armory in terms of them trying to help themselves with their the communication skills. Thank you very much, and it's yeah. been great being with you. Where can people find out more about you, Deborah? They can either go to Amazon, yeah, of course, but they can go to my website at debrafine.com, d-e-b-r-a-f-i-n-e.com. Um, or just Google the fine art of small talk and it'll come up at Piatkus um, Publishing in London. It's been great talking to you, Deborah. Thank you ever so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Baba. You have been listening to Uncurrent Stories. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to share the show link to your friends and family. And if you have 60 seconds, I will be most grateful if you would please rate and review. To hear more episodes, please subscribe to the show and visit undercurrentstories.com. If you leave your email in the link, we will notify you as soon as new episodes are released. Also, check out our social media links, details of which can be found on the show notes. Until next time, this is Bob Wells wishing you all the very best. 